Appreciate you joining us. Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Appreciate Mark Johnson coming on and, of course, Sydney Brandon as well. Get out and take in some girls basketball starting today at the Wildcat Classic out at Fertile Monument. And uh, also the Fruit and Wine Girls basketball team, they have their uh, barbecue fundraiser tomorrow. So you can enjoy some great barbecue and watch basketball tomorrow, uh, today, starting today. But the uh, barbecue fundraiser is tomorrow out at Fruit and Monument High School. All right. Uh, you can text or call the show today. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, 970-242-1340. Got a text from Jared, who's a diehard Buffs fan. There's a reason Sean Lewis got hired as a head coach and Shermer was unemployed. You have to look at it. And recruiting as well, Shermer has zero recruiting base. It'd be an awful decision. I I just think it's a terrible yeah. decision just because of the resume of Pat Shermer and the job that he did. And I get it. He he took over just four games left to go on the season, but the offense dropped from 35 points per game to 20. Mm-hmm. And it's not just points per game. It's everything. It's every, every everything. Every measurable every, metric, they got significantly worse. And and Mark's always going to play it straight down the middle. Mm-hmm. But you can even tell Mark, we we're talking about Pat Sherman. He's, like, he's a nice man. And, but he, he, and he, he may he, be. He, and he acknowledged that. And Pat Sherman may be a really nice guy. But Mark kind of acknowledged, hey, look, the, the numbers dropped dramatically across the board from Sean Lewis to Pat Sherman being the play caller. I just, you got to hope if you're a Buffs fan that that's not, not the direction they the go. Sign of things to come. And so I just, I'm looking at the game log. I know we got to move on to other things, but I'm looking at the game log. Here are the first six games total offense for the Buffs: five sixty-five, four fifty-four, four eighteen, one ninety-nine against Oregon, five sixty-four. 295, and then Stanford was 532. That's kind of the last Sean Lewis game, right? The last full-on Sean Lewis is calling the offense game, the Stanford loss, right? Is that my time frame good there? Uh, UCLA, so you got replaced after the UCLA game. Okay, so the UCLA game was 242, and then 238, 339, 255, 262. They had one, two, three, four, five, four hundred plus yardage games under Sean Lewis out of eight with Pat Shermer. They had one game over 275 yards of offense. They had two games over twice that they had two over 550 with Sean Lewis, 45 points, 36 points, 43 points. Weren't they averaging like some like 480 a game or something at neighborhood when Sean yeah. Lewis was, was the OC. Yeah, I think they were. It's, you know, it's nine day. It's apples and oranges. It's whatever metaphor you want to use. They had six turnovers in Sean Lewis's games in eight games. They had five turnovers in Pat Shermer's four games. Let us hope that this, that Pat Shermer, once again, is not, he's not the answer to the question of who's going to be the next OC for the Colorado Buffaloes. If you've watched uh, Coach Prime, just curious your thoughts on that. If you have Amazon Prime, yet. and if you if you uh, I've watched episode one last night, it's uh, it's it's the origin story. Mm-hmm. It's the or would the year one be the origin story? Because that's the 
the, the first docuseries when he's at Jackson State. This would be that's the origin story. Yeah, this would this would be first year as the superheroes. This, this yeah, this would be like Batman Year One, mm-hmm. Coach Prime Year One as a Division One power conference football coach. Of course, Division One at FCS at Jackson State, but not a power, not a not a Division One F, FBS. Mm-hmm. Power Five Conference football coach. So, yes, it would be like Batman year one as far as his his arrival on the Boulder campus, Rick George, and what Rick George went through to get him there. It it, it dives into that very, very lightly. They, they don't spend a lot of time. Just that Rick George flew into New Orleans to throw people off the, the, the you know, throw the, his sitting, you know, his sent off the trail of, of meeting with Deion Sanders. A lot. Of, Was that necessary? To do that? Yeah. I think Rick George's feeling it was. He felt like there were people that were watching where he was going, and 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 Deion Sanders still wanted to keep it very quiet. So he felt the need to do that. He did. Flew to New Orleans, and then he went, I he believe. Drove to Jackson. Drove to Jackson. So they were he was trying to, to do that, to, to keep this thing under wraps, keep it secret until they finally... Announced that Deion Sanders to be the head coach. If you watched it, if you had a chance to watch Coach Prime, season two with him now as a coach of Colorado, give us some thoughts. I don't said so I don't feel like I didn't feel like I learned anything right. that I didn't already know. I thought the Charlie offered all part of it was interesting. Walk on kid, a Colorado high school football player. Mm. Is this like Red, hard knocks though, where he gets cut at some point? He made the roster. Oh, okay. So no, he didn't get cut. He made the roster this year. Uh, my question is, where is Dion coaching for year three? Who does it? Because his trajectory makes it not Colorado. Two years at Jackson State. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good question. Does he go to a, a bigger power five? Or do things US or do things get a little better? Say they, they they get bowl eligible. It gets better, but it's not. But it's not like they're they're in the college football playoffs. It improves. Shadur has a really good season in his final season. Travis Hunter once again they lose some some close games. Mm-hmm. But say they get to six wins or seven wins. It's good. It's much better. They're bowl eligible, but it's not blowing the, the roof off. They're not a college football playoff team. Will. Will he still be there if that's the case? Because will that be enough for some program to go, yeah, okay, four to six or seven wins. If I'm a if I'm a athletic director, I'm kind of going, depending on what my programs look mm-hmm. like, I can say that's that's the tonic that's gonna fix us because look what it did for Colorado. Yeah. Got a tons of national attention. They went from one win to four wins to we'll say seven. Seven mm-hmm. wins, all eligible. Would that be enough though for him to get a like a Big time, say like the A and M job if it was open or something like that. Now on its own, no. But some of the other measurables, like what's the recruiting look like? How many people came in to that program because of Coach? What does their donations look like? What do the booster clubs? Etsu look like with two years with Coach Prime. Far more robust now than they were a year ago. That's going to be a driver. And if they go from one win pre-Coach Prime to bowl eligible in two seasons, 
and then his kids are off to the league and he's not coaching them and college anymore, I think it's way more likely, not less likely, I think it's way more likely that he moves on somewhere else because they can't go with him. No, they're, yeah. off to, they're off to the NFL. Well, it's, they, they've already transferred, so they'd have to sit out a year. Well, yeah, they're Unless they're yeah. going to be grad students. So I think it's very – he's if, tied here this year, this coming year, because they're here. And, we, and we've talked about that. Yeah, and they want to play one more year with Travis mm-hmm. Hunter. Yeah, there's there's no reason Shadur and Shiloh would go and sit out a year, whatever the case. They're going to go to the NFL. Why would Shadur, Shadur play grad, do a grad transfer? Why? You know, like, I understand dad's got a lot of money and I'm making some pretty good NIL money, but, I mean, first round draft pick is – Tough to walk. It's pretty tough to walk away yeah. from to go play a, one more year of college football. That's no, I think tough eventually maybe a quarterback may be like, you know what? I'm making enough money I, NIL wise. Oh, and I've banked enough. I don't need to go through if, that. If they win five or six games next year, some he will. I think he'll move on because there will be there will be suitors. Yeah. Oh, there are suitors this year. I can guarantee there, there he's plenty. calls. Oh, you you know there are. There 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 are programs that would love to have him there. But he's already. Kind of got he's got his kids there. Mm-hmm. Travis Hunter's there. This right now is his his moment to make that leap from four to yeah. maybe eight or nine wins, maybe ten, maybe maybe a college football playoff spot. Absolutely, going to a new conference. And Dion is now on the list of due diligence phone calls. I don't care if he's under contract. If I have an opening at a Power Five level, I'm calling him. I'm calling his agent. I'm calling. Don't, yeah, I'm Michigan State. I'm Maryland. I'm just to do my due diligence. I'm taking a shot. What's he going to say? No. Then I don't have him as head coach. Just like my situation now, he's not my head coach. So if I'm Michigan State before I hire the Oregon State guy, I call Colorado. I call Coach Prime and be like, hey, uh, you any interest? No, I'm good here. Okay, thanks. We'll call you in two years once this guy flames out. No offense. Yeah. So, you know. Like an out about with Jonathan Smith, I think I think I think he'll do well there. Actually, it's Michigan State, though, I, I think he'll know. do well. I think he'll be fine. But like he's on that list, right? And I believe a, I haven't seen if John Boyer played Palisade, you know, because he's mm-hmm. one of, on his staff. I, I would assume John is going with him. There's an opening uh, up north now, apparently after their uh, bowl game for Wyoming. Craig Bowles going to retire. Oh, really? Yeah, I had not seen that. Saw that this morning. Hmm. So that's the report. So Coach Prime on a list with Beetle for uh, head coach at Wyoming, right? Those are the two guys that'd be interested. No offense. Actually, that's probably a longer list. Vern. Are they calling Vern? Coach Romano? No, Vern McGee. Uh, Wyoming? Yeah. Well, why wouldn't Did he? Did he play Wyoming? Play baseball at Wyoming. Yeah, he's a football coach here. So Joe, it works. Well, Joe I'm trying played. to get Joe. I'm trying to get Vern hired. <laughs> he's well, he Joe, seems retired. Vern, Vern, Vern's retired. You want you want to deplete our ranks. <laughs> By by sending him to Wyoming to coach football, and not that I want to lose Joe, and yeah. I, I think Joe's like okay, I'm that. I, I it'd be interesting if Wyoming called Joe. I wonder if Joe would take that on, this this stage of his coaching career. If he'd want to do that, they just I'm like hey, we'd love to have you up here. It's hard to say no to the alma mater, I think. And and, and that, would, and that but... division an opportunity to coach your alma mater, Division One opportunity. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see what Joe would would Joe consider that. You know, Sandy would have. A, I'm sure they have a long talk, and and you know, probably roots are pretty firmly planted here in yeah, the valley. But be pretty pretty good 
next few years for the kids and grandkids. You know, the D1 football coach paycheck. Yeah. Not bad. I I don't know. I mean, I know school district 51 is competitive, but, you know, Wyoming, pretty, a little deeper coffers. Yeah, so I don't know. I Not that it's I would, all I, about me. I would say Joe would, warmer would here. probably might say no, but I I don't, I can't say that categorically, that that'd be the case. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to get people jobs. That's I'm, all. On, I'm on John Boyer's Twitter feed here. I'm trying to see if he, I'm not seeing anything indicating his desire or whatever or, or his intention of going out to uh, to Michigan State with Jonathan Smith. Hmm. Not seeing that. Still has him listed on the the Oregon State oh, staff. Somebody's got to coach their bowl game. That's true. Or is that the uniquely named Jonathan Smith? Good job, parents. <laughs> Let's take the most common first name with the second most common <laughs> last name. It's like with the guy that plays you know what, though, for the that band. That makes you uh, anonymous on the internet as much as anything can. <laughs> the, the, the the guy that uh, plays in the band, uh, My Morning Jacket, his name's Jim James. That's good. That's good parenting. James James. Yeah. John Johnson the third for the Rams. Uh, so your interim coach at Oregon State, by the way, Gefence Heinsen. Spelled like defense. <laughs> Offense, Heinsen, I believe is how you pronounce it. They've got Notre Dame, by the way, in the Sun Bowl. I have no idea who that is. He's on their staff. I believe that. <laughs> he was our wide receivers coach since 2018. Uh, Trent Bray will be the next head coach oh, okay. at Oregon State. So, guy's already on the staff. So, Just, I would think maybe in that case, maybe John and his wife, I believe Vanessa, they probably, maybe they could Got their roots there. Their kids mm-hmm. live there, and you know their their families. You know, still a younger family. And did you see the video of I think it was the Boise State AD or president announcing who their next head coach is going to be? And the players lost their minds. One of their assistants, I can't remember his name right now, but like it was more excitement than walk on getting scholarship, jump around like they. Went Spencer bonkers. Danielson. Yeah. They love that guy. And, and he looks player, like he's 10 years old. Good for him, though. Every player in that room got out of their seat when that was announced. That he, he looks was like be a player. Coach. He looks like he should be playing. I, <laughs> he does. He, at Boise State. <laughs> yeah. Places Andy Avalos, who got fired November 12th, by the way. If you're wondering. Dang. Why. Boise State firing coaches. Look uh, at that. No, they were they were pretty geeked for because uh, he was the interim for a while. They're, right, they're pretty geeked for him to get the job. Full uh, transfer portal, by the way, five hundred thirty-eight players in the portal as of Monday, eighteen percent increase from last year, as far as portal yeah. players. There was at one point over a thousand. It's come down because players are finding new places, but it was quarterbacks nuts. top the list eighty-six as of Monday and ranked eighty-sixth. Honda McCord. <laughs> South Carolina, 15 players moving on. Mm-hmm. Though um, it's, it says the athletic, that's the most. But I saw where Cincinnati has 20. 20 guys hitting the portal. Leading the Big 12 by a lot. Yeah. Just Those so, guys are like, no, no, no. We signed up for power for group of five football. We didn't <laughs> sign up for this. 
<laughs> we didn't sign up for getting pushed around by these big Texas hosses. That's not happening. We're relocating. We're out of here. Sweet uh, action. Come calling, baby. All right. It's time to go around <laughs> the NFL this morning. The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. All right. So, uh, oh, Michigan Tech, not Texas Tech. Okay. Give me a directional Michigan. Thank you very much. All right. So, the Broncos in uh, LA Sunday at SoFi to take on the Chargers. Uh, Broncos six and six after the 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 tough loss uh, at Houston last Sunday game where they didn't play very well for the majority of the game and and didn't pass protect Russ all that great on Sunday three sacks by Will Anderson and that uh, defensive front for the the Houston Texans Sean Payton says look they're now facing Khalil Mack look look it's Khalil look. Mack who all leads right, the look. league in sacks with fifteen here's Sean Payton on Khalil Mack and the Charger D. Well, these guys are third overall as a team in sacks. thing that jumps out at you, with, I, I would say, defensively with some things. They're, they're playing really good third down defense. They're third best in the NFL. They're at the top of the league in sacks, hurries, and pressures. 29th in total defense, though, for the Chargers. Whew. 349.5 yards per game. They're 17th against the run. They're next to last in pass defense. 19th in scoring defense at 25.1 points per game. But and please then, tell me, people out there, how it's all Justin Herbert needs to do more. Because offensively for the Chargers, they're 15th in total offense, 25th, 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 it's a new number, 25th, 25th in rushing offense. What the hell did you just say? Oh, shut up. And Austin, with Austin Eckler leading the way. 11th in passing offense. 11th in passing offense. 11th? 11th. They're tied for 11th in scoring offense, by the way. 22.9 points per game. I, and I think it gets lost just how good Herbert's been this year at times. But he's having kind of a very Kirk Cousins-like season. Right. They're 5-7. and seven. 65%, 20 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 253 a game. His QBR 68, respectable. His rating is 95. He's taken 25 sacks in 12 games. That's not a lot. And you look, you're like, well, why aren't they better? One, their defense is very bad, but also it's like Kirk Cousins. That 35% incompletions, some of those are just backbreakers. It's, they don't show up as interceptions, but they show up as red zone opportunities in a three-point loss to the Lions. You know, late fourth quarter opportunities in a three-point loss in Green Bay. Some of those are drops by his receivers, too, which are absolutely killer. Overtime loss at Tennessee, two-point loss at home to the Dolphins. Some of those incompletions, while 20-6 to six looks great, some of those incompletions are just backbreakers. And then they have a game like last week against New England, where they won six to nothing. They set football back a hundred years in that game. Oh. Both teams did. Yeah, I mean it's a mixed bag. You know the the, the close loss to the Lions, forty one thirty eight. You know back to back weeks that they they lose by three to the Packers, who have really started to turn it on as of late. Didn't just get woodshedded. They they lost by ten to the Ravens. Ravens mm-hmm. pulling away in that game. It's they're lost by three to the Cowboys. Cowboys pretty good football team right now. Yeah. So it's 
it's been a mixed bag for the Los Angeles Chargers. But uh, the one thing that Sean Payton knows, Broncos country will be there coming up on Sunday. A lot of Broncos fans at NRG Mm -hmm. for that Texans game this last Sunday, and Sean Payton expects the same this Sunday at SoFi. The first time I was ever at the stadium was last season, and I was at that game where Denver played the Chargers. It was just coincidence. And so, I w- look, I was surprised. I don't want to say it's a newer fan base because it's not, but they haven't had a team in a while. And, and so, you know, there's a number of things you can't control, but it, it's, it's nice when you travel like we do. That's something. Even last week in Houston... <laughs> When we've gone on the road this year, you've always felt a, a strong presence with our fan base, and um, and certainly that'll matter again Sunday. So it's nice to have. All right, so uh, Broncos country travels well, and uh, Broncos at uh, the Chargers this Sunday on the team with pregame at noon kickoffs at 225. But going back to last Sunday, 22-17 loss in Houston, where Denver's five-game winning streak comes to an end, and Broncos safety Justin Simmons says they were just eight yards away from making it a six-game winning streak. We don't need to look at it as as being difficult to reset. I think just as easy as it was to go on a uh, on a five-game streak, um, you know, you need to be able to have that, like I said, that same confidence moving forward and, you know, week in and week out. I mean, it's the NFL. You're not going to win them all. You're going to lose close games. Um, the fact of the matter is we were, as as, uh, as poorly as we played at times, we were eight yards away from uh, from winning that football game. And then, you know, sitting here talking about another win. So, um, you know, football is a game of inches. And, you know, those four or five plays that I talk about that win or lose you the game, um, we just didn't find ways to make those plays. But um, we should be confident. We have uh, we have a really good um, Chargers team. They're, obviously, we're going to go play in L.A. And, um, you know, offensively, they do a lot of things really well. Obviously, Justin leading the pack there at quarterback. And so uh, we're going to have to be way better than we were last week in order to give ourselves a chance to win. And, Obviously, takeaways are going to be at the utmost uh, importance. All right, so a quick look at the injury report of Zach Allen, Mike McGlinchey, Marvin Mims Jr., DeLorean Turner-Yell, Pat Sertan, PS2, all limited at practice uh, yesterday for a variety of injuries. None of them appear to be serious, obviously, with the limited participation. Baron Browning, uh, Samaj P. Ryan were full participants, wrist and knee, respectively. Uh, the injuries for those two players for the Chargers. Keenan Allen did not practice. It was a veteran rest day, so don't get too excited that he may not be available. He was just it was just a veteran rest day. Uh, guard tackle Zach Bailey uh, with a back injury did not practice. Khalil Mack, veteran rest day. Once again, don't get excited. It was mm-hmm. just a veteran rest day. It's old man sit down day. And so he did not practice yesterday uh, for the Chargers, but uh, they had outside linebacker Justin Hollins. One time Bronco linebacker Justin Hollins. Former Oregon sure. player, I believe. Yeah. Uh, limited at practice. Joshua Palmer, wide receiver, limited at practice as well. And uh, one time Bronco tied in Nick Vanette, limited at practice concussion going through the protocol right now in that. So tonight's Thursday night football. Whew. Uh, New England Yikes. at Pittsburgh tonight. <sighs> can, he pick, can he pick it out? The the truth, Mitchell Truth Bisky, yeah. Trubisky in a quarterback for the Steelers. They will have uh, Najee Harris. He's expected to play. He's been dealing with a, a knee injury, came out of uh, Sunday's game. But uh, according to Tom Pelissero, NFL media, he's expected to play tonight for the Steelers. The, the Patriots 
have lost the last three games, allowing, allowing a total of 26 points. 26 points allowed, and they're 0-3. With the point differential of 13, negative 13. <laughs> Yikes. Ah. 5.30 tonight, by the way. New England in Pittsburgh right here on the Team Sports Network. This game's going to suck. <laughs> Coming up, your chance to play the Piles' favorite game on a Thursday, which is... Also up next, our Broncos report, Cody Rourke, brought to you by Gallagher's Flooring and Modern Classic Motors. First of all, it's hilarious. Warped, twisted individuals. Yes. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Broncos with Mile High Sports' Cody Rourke on the Jim Davis Show. And with us right now on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, he is the host of the Lockdown Broncos podcast. He also covers the Broncos for Mile High Sports. Cody Rourke joins us. Good morning, Cody. How are you? I'm good, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, doing well. So uh, the Broncos get the Chargers on Sunday. And and Sean Payton kind of went through some of the numbers yesterday. And you, know, you, you, look, on, on the surf- you look at the surface as far as some of the, the, the numbers for for the Chargers defensively. It's you know, kind of like how the, the Broncos have been this season in, in terms of of uh, some some poor numbers defensively, Chargers come in uh, with a 29th in total defense, 17th against the run. Uh, they they're really bad against the pass. They're uh, they're 31st uh, in, in pass defense. But Khalil Mack leads the league in sacks with 15. Uh, they're really good on third down. This is a there's some some numbers there if you're a Broncos fan that could be a concern, particularly in, in the pass protection area, protecting Russell Wilson. Yeah, they're very they're very good at what they do, and, and Khalil Mack is having a career high type of season for him. I mean, it's, what if, if I'm not mistaken, 15 sacks already. He's just he's tearing it up, not only against the pass but against the run. And obviously, I think Denver's a little fortunate that Joey Bosa is not playing. Obviously, he's on injured reserve, but they have a really good secondary with Derwin James, Asante Samuel Jr. I mean, they they have good players, and they have guys. I think they have really good role players too, and. So even though the Bosa has been out, they have other guys stepping up, and obviously fitting the bill. Morgan Fox being one of those players. I um, mean, you look at their defensive line, pretty stout there, and they really try to make things difficult for you in terms of the passing game, in terms of the windows. Like they're very aggressive, but and that's what gets them. That's why they're one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL, which is weird to say. They got the talent there, but they give up a lot of explosive plays because of how aggressive that they play, and that's one of those things where. I think if you're Sean Payton, you're this offense, you have to find the fine line of, you know, how do we how do we not play too conservative or timid, but how do we take chances when necessary? I mean, I liked how we saw that last week against Houston. Denver came out and they opened up aggressive. Two deep shots downfield to Cortland Sutton to start the game. You like the aggressiveness, but there needs to be more balance. You know, there's either the deep game or there's the check it down, throw it short of the sticks and see what you can get there. Denver needs to get back to just some simple route concepts, Jim. They need to get guys in positions that – you know, they're able to make plays. They're able to, I mean, simple three-yard slant. Catch that, get five yards. There you go. Now you have a second and manageable there, you know. Denver just doesn't have that dynamic to their offense. And the Chargers defense, they're going to try to force them into, you know, putting the ball into some tight windows. And, uh, you know, that's where you have to have Russell Wilson hopefully come play better this weekend. And for us, three interception game last week, season worst for him. And, and he's been under 200 yards in seven of the last eight games, which... You know, what speaks to there's been struggles in the past game. There was Jerry Judy uh, open Sunday down around the five yard line and <laughs> was obviously frustrated because he was open and Russ was also 
that point, defending Russ a little bit, kind of running for his life. I mean, that's the, the, yeah. the passing game's got to find a way to to somehow gain some traction here and help out that running game. And and so I, I guess, like you said, there there's there's some ways to do that. The Broncos have to to, to start though being committed to to opening up a little bit more in the passing game. Yeah, and I and I don't know what that's going to necessarily look like for them. I mean, Marvin Mims still seeing a low percentage of snaps here for Denver's offense. Brandon Johnson played a few, like a handful of snaps in Sunday's loss, and you know Jerry got targeted really for I think the first time late, and it was that forty-something yard wheel route that he had caught. And so, you know, it, it's evident that Russ has a lot of chemistry and trust with Cortland Sutton, which rightfully so, Cortland's had a great year, but. When defenses know that, they're going to do whatever they can to kind of allocate the resources to Sutton. That's where somebody else has to emerge. And that's where Russell Wilson needs to find it in him to go to some other players in the passing game. And, I I mean, I have no idea what it's going to look like, Jim. I think this is a huge game. Um, We talked to Alex Singleton yesterday. I mean, he called it a must-win. Not only is it going to be tough for Denver, you know, in terms of their offense against that defense, but Denver's defense is going to have their hands full as well with Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert, who are lighting it up together. So you look at the Chargers, 15th in, in total offense right now, 338.6 yards per game. Surprised the, the rushing offense isn't a little better with Austin Eckler. They're just 25th, but then Eckler is also such a big weapon in the pass game as well. He's such a versatile player. Uh, Herbert, 11th in, in passing offense. But we were going through the numbers earlier, Buckeye and myself, and you look at those numbers, uh, and they, I mean, as far as the, as far as the margin of, of loss in some of these games, some three-point loss to the Cowboys, they've, they've lost a lot of close football games this season. It is, it, you know, they're five and seven, but they easily could be a team that could be a a seven or eight win football team at this point in time. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And I mean, you look at the drop off and the disparity. Look, it's it's Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen. The next available wide receiver in terms of production, eight hundred yards shy of Keenan Allen. So they're missing Mike Williams in a big way this season. The run game for them, as you mentioned with Eckler, it's been a huge surprise at how how limited it has been. I'm not sure what the reason is for that. I mean, obviously the Chargers deal with offensive line injuries every single year. That's part of it. But also part of me is wondering, Jim, I don't know, this might be a conspiracy theory because obviously Austin Eckler wanted paid. Is this them trying to showcase like, hey, this is why we don't pay running backs? And is that part of the reason? I mean, I'm not sure. Um, it's just been such a surprise to see them so one-dimensional because Eckler is, as you and I have discussed, and obviously you know, he played in the RMAC. You guys, you know, we've seen him over the years. He is a ridiculous, he's a freak of nature. Like, he is an unbelievable athlete. And the fact that he's not able to get going in the capacity in which they've had success, especially with them airing it out more under Kellen Moore. Like, you figured Austin Eckler would, would get a lot of touches, not only just in the carries in the ground game, but also you get it in the passing game, where he's been so productive over the course of the last three seasons. That's probably been the biggest surprise to me with this Chargers team. As much as you know, they've struggled. They're still very much in the thick of things right now, and this is a big game because if Denver loses, not only does it drop their conference record to three and six, but then it's another divisional game that you lost, and you know it's, it doesn't put Denver in a good standing. I think a loss eliminates them essentially. Like there's still a probable, there's a little statistical chance for it, but a loss on Sunday I think kills the Broncos' playoff hopes. You mentioned Keenan Allen, who didn't practice yesterday. It was a Veterans Day, so uh, just a rest day for him. So, like I was saying earlier, don't don't get too excited. Keenan Allen, same with Khalil Mack. Uh, they'll both be on the field Sunday. Allen's got seven touchdown catches. But uh, second on that list is Donald Parham Jr. He's got four touchdown catches. Yard, yardage isn't gar- gaudy, but we know about the Broncos' struggles uh, covering tight ends, and particularly in the red zone, and Parham could be a factor Sunday 
for Justin Herbert. Yeah, I mean, if I'm the Chargers, I'm looking at what Brevin Jordan did against the Broncos, and I'm finding ways to use Parham and Gerald Everett in that situation and saying, hey, let's find a way. Like, if they're going to cover and allocate assets towards Keenan Allen, let's hit him with some of these vertical seams or these, you know, flat routes. I mean, Denver had – there were times where Denver didn't have Brevin Jordan covered at all last week, and it was super weird to me. Um, it just means, that, okay, they were being ultra-aggressive. They were sending pressure, and they didn't have enough coverage guys for the leak out, and that hurt them ultimately. So I think Parham, obviously, he's big. He's six foot, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's six foot eight or six seven, one or the other. And he's very athletic. Same thing with Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett is an athlete. Russell Wilson knows him very well. Played with him in Seattle. These are two, I think, names to keep an eye on here for the Broncos on Sunday. If you know they're finding a way to limit the impact of Keenan Allen, who, as you mentioned, the seven touchdown catches, eleven hundred seventy five yards. At that point, and he's got 18 plus 18 catches of 20 plus yards or more. So explosive plays downfield. That is where Denver's going to really have to tighten up. And if they can do that, then I think that they can maybe mitigate the risk of being impacted negatively in the explosive department the way that they were on Sunday against the Texans. Cody York, my life sports locked on Broncos podcast. Our Broncos insider with us today on the Team Sports Network. Mike McGlinchey with the back limited to practice yesterday. PS2 limited to practice with the knee. Of course. Patrick Sertan left the game Sunday for just a, a little bit. Uh, what do you hear mm-hmm. about those two guys? Like I said, limited to practice, so we're making the assumption right now should be good to go Sunday at SoFi. Yeah, no, I think I think they should be good to go. I mean, seeing and talking to those guys in the locker room, they didn't seem like they didn't give any indication that their status is up in question. They're just going through the maintenance process and trying to get right for Sunday. Um, McGlinchey, I think, will be good to go. Something to monitor, obviously. Sertan, I mean, the fact that he was able to come in, he missed eight snaps, finished the game. That's a promising sign. Um, and I think we'll look to see if any of these guys, I think, I don't know, they may be limited today, but I think tomorrow we'll see if they get upgraded to full participants. But uh, right now, I mean, Denver didn't have anybody miss practice yesterday due to an injury. So, I mean, that's good news, Jim. Absolutely. Uh, of course, all the game this Sunday, Broncos at the Chargers, pregame at noon, kickoff at 225 on the Team Sports Network. And, of course, you can check out his work, mylifesports.com and host the Locked on Broncos podcast and his report coming up on our station today at 420. Cody, always appreciate it, man. Appreciate you guys. Have a good day. Go Tigers. All right, Cody Rourke, My Life Sports, Locked on Broncos podcast, our Broncos insider. All right, text or call the show, 970-242-1340. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. I want to dive into it. Let's uh, quickly hop into some four down territory we're into four down territory on the jim davis show on the team all right can i steal this brown story did you have this brown story about joe flacco uh no okay okay radio show in cleveland where a uh, apparently a former nfl coach calling in to talk about how joe flacco you know needs to be starting for the browns and playing for the browns yes that uh, former coach is Al Saunders, who coached Flacco in Baltimore back in 2009-2010. He called into 92.3 The Fan, the Ken Carmen show, who mm-hmm. plays on the weekends here on yeah. the team. His uh, cohort, Anthony Lima, does some stuff, too. Right. And yep. so, uh, anyway, he called in. He said, I had to pull over and stop at a rest stop to call you guys. There's no decision here. I coached Joe Flacco in Baltimore and the Brown signed Joe. I sent Browns GM Andrew Barry and the coaching staff a text and said, what a great move that was because the time to win for Cleveland is now. Are you believing that much yes. in Joe Flacco? I watched Joe Flacco against the Chargers, and outside of that late interception, Joe Flacco 
was the best quarterback the Browns have played this entire season. He was more decisive and definitive and correct decisions with the football than Watson, DTR, PJ Mask Walker. I love what DTR can possibly do. Not this year. It's not ready yet. Wide open. They're going to have to pay a lot of people. All right. Second down. Juan Soto going to the Yankees in that big trade with the Padres yesterday. The hot stove league heating up. And another big trade could be uh, perhaps uh, forthcoming. John Heyman of the New York Post reporting that the Brewers could be ready to trade Corbin Burns. Not to the Yankees. But the XI Young Award winner, not necessarily saying the Yankees, but saying that it looks like the Brewers are getting ready to deal him. I did love the Yankees Twitter account put out because of John Heyman last year, arson judge to the Giants. Remember that? Yes. That was a year ago today. And so, or a year ago yesterday. And so the Yankees put out John, J-O-N, Soto, <laughs> headed to the A. It was hilarious. Uh, third down. There's somebody that's an LSU Tiger fan on a message board, which is always sane and coherent that believes Jalen Daniels is going to lose the Heisman because Joe Burrow's not included in Nissan's Heisman house. Hmm. The Heisman house commercials? Right, yeah. Always yeah, great. For, yeah, they're fantastic. But yeah. I didn't miss Joe yeah. Burrow yeah, I, until I, I realized he's not no, in them. He's not in them. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah, even Caleb Williams, Bryce Young, they're in them. You know? Yeah, I, it's right. Joe Burrow's not in there, yeah, is he? He's not in him. Is that going to cost Jalen Daniels? No. No. But the other part is like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, you're, now you're wondering why isn't he in them? That's a fantastic point. I did see uh, the meme over the over this week about him sitting sad on the sidelines that the feeling when the rest of your family goes to Paris without you leaves you home for Christmas. <laughs> fantastic. Ah! Oh, so great. <laughs> um, and fourth down. Going off the football board, although they played a football game in the movie, MASH is getting a New Year's Day special on Fox. To uh, It's a two-hour special called The Comedy That Changed Television, featuring new interviews with surviving cast members. Fantastic. And archival footage of departed cast members. Looking forward to that. I, I am looking forward to that. Love that show when it was on back in the day. I'm going to DVR that. I'll watch the New Year's Bowls. I'm going to DVR that for sure. Yeah, me too. All right. That's time to play. Yes. Up for grabs today, a case of New Belgium, courtesy of our friends at High Country Beverage. First correct answer on the text line, 970-242-1340 gets it. If you won any time in the last two weeks, including two weeks ago today, which was Thanksgiving, so you didn't win that day, sit it out if you don't want the prize. Sit it out. And uh, we take these only on the text line. I surpassed 30,000 points in my NBA career on this day in sports history. I did so in a win over the then New Orleans Hornets. At the time, I was the youngest ever to accomplish the feat of 30,000 points. LeBron James later beat me to 30,000 points by more than a year in age. Who is it? All right, first correct answer wins today. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line 970-242-1340. Our team's team of the week is coming up next on The Jim Davis Show. I'm the morning guy. I have a 
Facebook group, 16 members. Some call it a fan page. I don't know. Oh, hell yeah. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. It's the team's team of the week on the Jim Davis Show. And our team of the week is the District 51 girls wrestling team. They captured the Skyhawk showdown in Utah, 33-team tournament and couple champions there, Molly Dare at 145 and teammate Shiley Tazan at 155. And uh, with us right now in studio, Coach Chad Dare and also on the phone line this morning, both uh, Molly Dare and Shiley Tazan. Uh, Chad and uh, ladies, thanks for coming on the program this morning. Thanks for having us. See, girls, are you there? Yes, we are. Oh, great. Well, first off, we'll start out with with uh, Coach Chad. Uh, Chad, congratulations! Uh, great performance by your team to open up uh, the wrestling schedule. Thirty three teams, very competitive at uh, at the Skyhawk in, in Utah. And uh, kind of take us through the weekend for your team because certainly uh, Molly and and Shiley uh, represented uh, some some great individual success with championships. But uh, sound like your team fared well in winning that tournament. Yeah, no, I think it was a a, a really good first first tournament. There's some there's a few uh, top teams from Utah that are there that uh, uh, we wanted to go kind of uh, test ourselves um, with. It's a good tournament for our young kids, too, and and uh, everybody just kind of stepped up. It's it's fun to watch Molly and, and Shiley kind of take that leadership role and just get after some kids. You know, Shiley beat a, uh, a returning state champ, and, and Molly beat a couple of top-ranked kids there in Utah. So And six uh, wrestlers went to the state wrestling tournament for you last year, so a lot to build on from what you, you were able to accomplish last year. Yeah, we, we actually had uh, ten, 10 make it to the tournament last year, and then we had, I think, five placers. So we're, uh, we're, we're really building, and, and we're coming on. We have uh, Shiley Tuzan with us, won the 155-pound bracket at the Skyhawk Showdown. And uh, Shiley, as, as Coach Dare mentioned, uh, you had to beat a defending Utah State champion, Hailey Broderick uh, of uh, Grantville, uh, won six to nothing in the semifinals, and of course ended up uh, taking the championship. Kind of take us through your weekend on the mats and and uh, getting things going for this 2023 campaign. Um, yeah, it was it was a really good start off. Um, I'm really proud of myself with how uh, I performed. I think that this year it's going to be really different because I'm really focusing and I have a uh, really great support from Chad and then my teammates. So I'm really glad. And look, you're only, I believe, a sophomore. You got a career record of 51 and 11. I mean, that's that's an incredible start to, to your wrestling career and, and of course the championship at the Skyhawk Showdown. And kind of take us through what what you did during the off season camps, things you went to to get yourself ready for this season to be even better than your freshman campaign? Uh, yeah. So I, after season ended, I was, in, uh, I was in the wrestling room working with Chad and Molly. Uh, we were practicing for Folkstown Nationals, and then I went to Fargo, too. And I was just in the room a lot trying to work hard. I was going to the gym, too, trying to get stronger because I want to I better myself. And I want to win a state uh, state title this year. So we're talking with Shiley Tuzan, also uh, Molly Dare, and uh, Coach Chad Dare, the uh, District 51 Phoenix uh, girls wrestling team. And, and Shiley, tell us about how you got into wrestling. Give us the story about how, how Shiley Tuzan became a wrestler. Yeah. So when I was little, I liked to, I really liked to do multiple sports. I was always hopping from one to another. 
And I guess I saw my brother. I went to all his meets, and I just kind of fell in love with it, and I stuck to that sport ever since. That's the only sport I've really liked because I, I don't know. I like the the physical contact. I like how you have to work really hard and push yourself. And I like when you, like when you win, you you feel good about yourself, you know, because you know you worked hard to get to where you are. And uh, Shiley, by the way, uh, the six nothing decision, as I mentioned, the semifinals stood to go on and take the title, one fifty five. We also have Molly Dare, the one hundred and forty five pound champion, and Molly, your senior, and uh, your goal is exactly, I'm sure, what Shiley's is, is trying to to get to the state tournament and trying to win a championship in your senior year. Yes, I'm super excited for this season. I think that it's. Um, it feels a lot different than last season. I think the culture of our team has changed a lot, and we have a lot more um, positivity. And I think that's going to help. Um, it's going to help our whole team go a lot far, uh, farther as well. We have a lot better training partners in our room this year, and you know, Shiley and I have the opportunity to push each other a lot. And I think that we can definitely get there um, this season. Well, the Skyhawk, you pinned both of your opponents in the semifinals and finals. So uh, obviously, like I said, a great start to the season and. Uh, uh, kind of take us through what your off-season looked like getting ready for your, your senior season as a high school wrestler. Yeah, absolutely. So um, after season ended, I was also training in the wrestling room a lot with Shiley and some other people. I had um, a three-time All-American from GCU um, in my room a lot as well, and we had just the opportunity to just keep grinding and keep going. And then um, after Fargo ended in July, um, I kind of took a step back from wrestling, and I was able to um, – train in other areas um i was lifting a ton i was able to you know try yoga and go on runs and just trying to keep my love for the for the sport up and being able to stay fit in other areas hey district 51 phoenix girls wrestling team they're our team's team of the week we have uh, coach chad dare with us and and chad at the skyhawk uh, you had uh, several wrestlers that placed third so uh, not just the, these two young ladies winning championships but others had uh, really strong finishes in that first tournament of the season yeah, so it was it was kind of an interesting uh, setup for the tournament. We wrestled in round robins and in, in the first day on Friday, and and that kind of seeded us for the tournament. Um, some of our girls um, lost one match in that round robin where we should have had um, in, in a normal bracketed tournament. We we probably have far more that are finishing the top top five. Probably, um, I think we had sixteen girls finish top t- uh, top ten, and. Uh, some of them just out of luck on how they're placed. They could they couldn't place any better than ninth place with one loss. So um, it, it was an interesting interesting tournament. We went out and we wrestled hard. We had seventy six pins on the weekend. Our JV team um, we formed a separate team. They placed twelfth, and and uh, everybody um, contributed to that to that win and to our success there. I, I believe Shiley mentioned this, and, and Molly might have done the same thing, but about. Uh, more better training partners better you know adding depth on this team getting more more wrestlers uh into the wrestling room kind of take us through that uh, what the growth has been like for the phoenix wrestling team yeah so so initially our first year we had um we had about 12 go out we had about six that regularly ref wrestled um it was a covid season it was kind of weird um and uh we only had a couple of state place or, or state qualifiers we didn't win a, a match at the state tournament that year um, the next year we had uh, eight girls qualify, six six wrestle, two had two had injuries. Um, we won a bunch of matches there. We didn't we didn't make it any 
uh, we didn't have any girls place, but a lot of girls um, made the kind of the blood round, right? And then we, that takes us to last year where we had 10 qualifiers, five placers, um, a runner-up, and uh, we just continue to build. We get more and more quality girls through the door. We've got some freshmen in in the room now that are, are really going to make a difference down the road and when they get when they get used to uh, wrestling at the level of, of, of Colorado high school wrestling. Chad Dare, coach of the uh, District 51 Phoenix Girls wrestling team with us. Also Molly Dare and Charlie Tuzan who won championships at the Skyhawk uh, uh, wrestling uh, tournament over in Utah this past weekend. So, uh, Chad, what's up next uh, for the Phoenix? Well, weather permitting, we're going to go over to uh, we're going to go to Mesa Ridge. We do a Mesa Ridge in Yuma tomorrow night, and then uh, we wrestle in the Mesa Ridge tournament there. Um, it's a good tournament. We're going to be we're we're going to be seeing the top two two teams and a couple of top uh, other top ten teams at the tournament. Um, right now, we're tied for third in the in in the state as far as uh, team rankings go, and we just we'll go see how we how we kind of stack up against Pomona and Chatfield. Well, uh, have a safe trip and best of luck. And then also congratulations to uh, to Molly's sister, your daughter, uh, Carly Dare, was a member of the CMU uh, women's soccer team that had such an uh, incredible run this season. Uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on today, and thanks for being our team's team of the week. Chad Dare, uh, coach of the District 51 Phoenix uh, girls wrestling team, also Molly Dare, and uh, Charlie uh, Tuzan joining us on the program this morning. Thanks again for coming on today, folks. Thank you. All right, we will take a break, and we'll come back with 